Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Joining me today are two Beebles and two dear friends. It's John Situ and Lucas Carter. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, Drew. Oh, my so God. So good to be here. I, I know you've just been absolutely chomping at the bit to get out a Pickle Rick episode, so. Well, don't spoil it. We <laughs> got, we got, we got, that's after the break when we talk about that. I, I will say you texted me yesterday, trios make for the wackiest podcast episodes, and I do think that we're in for a wacky one today. It, it's going to be really good. You guys don't even know what the main topic is yet, but it's going to be fun. Yeah, whatever you just heard, <laughs> think again. Yeah, but it's it's good to finally be an honorary twink. Uh, my mother always wondered if this day would come. So, <laughs> so what what do you guys think a twink is? Anson McQuinney, if it's he's listening. A fruity person, usually a male, I would think. Fruity. <laughs> Yeah, that's like the word that comes to mind it's yeah like, yeah yeah they're a twin yeah i think that's that seems right to me i'm just it's shocking <laughs> to hear that word in 2021 he was so forthcoming with it too i know i love it i like i definitely think you're absolutely right there um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna argue with that even a little bit um i think that's actually probably the best definition that someone has offered thus far on the pod i do a weekly question not a weekly question i would say once a month i try to ask that to like you know get like a creative discourse going like here at crisis twink we're all about like pushing boundaries for what people can talk about and what can and can't be said and like this is an idea generator a factory a think tank a twink a tank factory. Uh-huh. <laughs> a fruity factory indeed yeah, i like twink tank a lot better than fruity factory. twink tank i should have maybe called this podcast twink tank in hindsight but not too late well we're 27 episodes in at this point i think Ooh. it might just be a little what about that little like spotify like subtext oh like, like... twit mate like as part of the bio like a main twink tank yeah i, I think that's better because right now it says I call myself a gay idiot in my bio right now, which is, this is so inside baseball. Like people do not care about this, but like, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm definitely gay. That's I don't think that's up for debate. That's a blunt definition of twink. Gay idiot. That's a little harsher than I was. Oh no, no. Well, gay idiot. <laughs> and twinks are gay idiots, but not all gay idiots are twinks. Like no, it's a square rectangle. Got it. Only the fruitiest ones are really twinks. Right. Only only the fruitiest ones. And only the line workers in the factory. I'm I'm a fruity little pineapple, I guess. <laughs> like, the leader. But all right, I think we got to move on to our first segment. So we're gonna play Go Call the Governor. I am going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and ancient history, and you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. There are no wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. Does the governor need to be called or not? Is that all the context I get? Yeah, yeah, okay. How much people have a lot of questions about this game. How much context do we need here? I just need to know why the governor would or would not be called in general. So are you guys? The crisis is bad, and like calling <laughs> the fixer is like what I'm getting. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I can be the judge. All right, I'll catch on. I'll the catch history on. of culture. Yeah, that and by history I mean like two weeks ago. Like we're not dealing with. Okay, I thought we were going to have theory here. This is this is some basic stuff. So, okay. let's start off with a pretty easy one. Arby's. Does the governor need to be called? Absolutely not. They have the meats, no crisis there. Five years ago, I definitely would have called the governor, but I, I don't know. I feel like they've revamped their brand since. Oh, Lucas, you pronounced so many syllables of the governor. It's it's two syllables. Governor. It's governor. There you go. Yeah. 
So yeah. I, this is from the Britney Spears song, Work Bitch. She says, go call the police, go call the governor. Oh, maybe it's three syllables. It might be three yeah. syllables, actually, now that I'm Pretty saying it. Pirate-y than I, okay. I mean, if it's a real crisis, you don't have time to that third syllable. It's <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, like, cut through red tape. Um, I am also, I think, like, I've always been the big Arby's head. Um, but I think this there was a lot of stigma until pretty recently about being an Arby's head. There probably yeah. still is a lot of stigma about being an Arby's head. I think it's classist is what no, is no I'm kidding it's but like people have like a lot of like ick about like just a, a roast beef sandwich in a way that I don't it's just like I could get I could get roast beef cheap at the store anyway it's not hard to me I get it I kind of my tinder profile is it says our first kiss will be at an Arby's I'm a bit of a poser because I've never been to an Arby's mm-hmm. but See, I so, think if we're putting the food on trial here, then you definitely call the governor. <laughs> but like, if we're talking about Arby's as an institution, like I do think that they've become enough of an acceptable meme and like as part of a mainstream discourse that it's not embarrassing to be seen at an Arby's. Is Arby's publicly traded? What what kind of podcast do you think this is? I'm not gonna, I can't answer your stockbroken question I just moved you. to San Francisco. You gotta humor me. <laughs> I like what is this what was that um what's that app that like you can publicly trade stocks on that people were like trying to crash yeah 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 that can you buy arby's yeah if you're listening to this podcast buy arby's now yeah buy 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 arby's announces that they have the meats the stock goes up 10 percent. oh yeah Yeah. and that's a lot of times a day like i mean they must be really swimming in it like yeah they could probably put a 20 dollar bill on each of their their roast beef sandwiches and sell it and that that they wouldn't be losing money still zero times zero still zero it's still zero (laughs) all right let's move on to the next scenario people acting crazy about hbo's hit show succession does the governor need to be called not culturally relevant enough to to say i would say no i've heard succession's a very good show yeah, I'd, I'd have to be, I'd have to give the honest answer, which is no, it's supposed to be good. Does the host chime in here? I'm kind of interested. I can chime in. I think this is, it's, I'm hearing this from the the mouths of babes tonight because I do, it does not seem like you two are on Twitter a lot, which I think is good for your brains. Um, when you send me stuff off gay Twitter, I always enjoy it. But. <laughs> well, I, gay Twitter is like a found, I mean, it can be used for good and bad for sure. And I feel like I usually send you the good stuff. Um, the cream of the crop, if you will. You don't follow on a downward spiral, so I can't. They went private on Instagram. I yeah, I I had to tap out of them. Like there are other like gay Twitter, gay Twitter adjacent Instagram meme pages that I prefer these days. Like Petit, yeah, I'll send you Petit's Fantasy World is the best one, and that is incredible. Um, no, but like success, people act like fucking freaks over Succession online. Like I've heard, I've never seen it either. I've heard it's a really good show, but like. Um, I mean, just in like people we know, like friend of the pod, Jack Rubenstein is like always like foaming at the mouth over it. Yeah, that's who came to mind for me too. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that you posed this question as a, um, people freaking out over succession and not the, um, show itself because you could have done the same thing with Arby's. Mm. I guess you could have, but the thing is I've, I've partaken in many a roast beef sandwich from Arby's, a big beef and cheddar even at times, but I've never seen an episode of Succession. So like, I feel like I cannot. Right. Okay. It's more meta. I get it. Yeah. It's the reaction to the action. Mm-hmm. Wait, is Succession? Succession's not done. Is it? They're still making new. No, they have a new season coming out in two weeks, I think, which is why people are like freaking out about it right now. Oh boy. Well, Jack- Sounds like you got to call the government at me. I mean, I'll, I'll watch, everyone says it's good, I'll watch it. And I just like, whenever people hype up a show that much and like get crazy about it, and we'll talk about this later in the emergency, it it gets a little funky foreshadowing. Yeah. It, well, we can't be, it's not foreshadowing when you said it, the moment you- they, You were editing that well, out, I thought. <laughs> I'm not, I don't edit this podcast. I'm not editing anything out. It's wrong, unfiltered. Raw, no, I, this is the realest 
episode of the podcast right now because this is definitely the most I've talked about the process of actually making this podcast. I feel like the fans deserve that. Yeah. Do they want it though? They want the behind the scenes. Like Lord of the Rings is like any quality, you might debate me on quality, but any any quality thing is going to have like eight hours of commentary from the director and you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into this. Don't be humble. John, John talking about Lord of the Rings on Crisis Twink, I'm calling the governor. Yeah. (laughs) See, this (laughs) is not that I I almost fell for this trap because you did dangle this idea in front of me like a very like rotten nasty carrot yesterday and I just ignored it I didn't even engage with the text like I couldn't do it because I famously do not love those movies though I I do I was tempted to rewatch though over pandemic if there was ever a time to do it it was when I was just like sitting at home all day I read the books that's how that's how it got for me Look, in my many travels, I, you know, at first I kind of assumed it was like growing up, I thought kind of assumed it was like straight white guys who love Lord of the Rings. But then across my travels, I've, I've experienced that it's people of all races, cultures and creeds and, and gender. And I, I've, I've found that interesting. But anyways, not to all stars and stripes, (laughs) all stars and stripes. No, I, I know I'm definitely like in the minority because like, I do look at us actually talking about this like I I'm sick to my I'm shaking and crying right now um <laughs> I do admire the craft like those are impeccably well-made movies oh, I just yeah, think they're did. so long like oh they certainly are. you can at least yeah it's kind of like for me it's the same with 1917 like I thought the plot was trite and nothing new and it was just you know like I think world wars are incredibly interesting but it was just another war movie except you can really appreciate the cinematography in 1917 and like of course obviously that's what it won yeah awards for but when when you said i appreciate the craft i was like are we still talking about arby's <laughs> well i can't hey those are sandwich artisans over there like they have a process <laughs> and it is art food is culture and that's okay. is something that i've really worked to like try to break down Taco Bell had artists though. Like, remember when they ran those the Cantina shows where like they brought in like the the chef. They named they actually like named a chef and like here are our new healthy bolt like healthy. Oh bowl. yeah, I remember it I was um, Lorraine. No, I almost said Lorena Ochoa. <gasps> She's a golfer. I don't remember what it starts with an L though. I think you're right. Yeah, bullshit. I don't know, but uh... I live mere blocks away from a Taco Bell Cantina now for the first time in my life, and I haven't been yet. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm across the street from one. <laughs> Save yourself, Drew. Don't no, go. But but you can get the most disgusting drink on earth, the Batista <laughs> yeah. Blast, and get shit faced and like walk out with it, like no oh. rules or regulations. And uh, you can put anything in it. They have like twelve different <laughs> famous not tequila. They did not have tequila. So what's in it if not tequila? You can put vodka. You can put rum. It's weird because oh. the drink's already gross. You you're right. already succumbing to ugh, they just yeah, have just, like a they just have like a big jug of hand sanitizer and they give you a few bumps I, be, I they have to cut <laughs> corners be somewhere because otherwise it's too good to be true <laughs> it's that's so too good to so, be true we got like fucked up too lucas when we had those like they didn't really skim it was definitely like the 13 dollar handle of vodka like it was not good stuff but. well there's so much sugar in Baja Blast too. Like, there's no way that is medically advisable to pair with alcohol. When it's on the label, it actually cautions pregnant women about the sugar content and not the alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too too good to be true. And Taco Bell Cantina are not phrases that I often associate with one another. But well, <laughs> like, I guess you're conflating a lot of things tonight. I know we're you're also making me reveal tonight that like I do stand fast food pretty hard like I do ride for a chain restaurant like I now live also very close to a Jimmy John's for the first time since we graduated like I'm a little older than you guys but like since I lived in Durham and it's like so it's so comforting just to have like their main selling point is yeah they're they're freaky fast to live close so what's the point well, I live like two blocks away, so I just walk and get it. Exactly. So it's not freaky fast delivery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but- you want to be like two miles away and then you can get the most of their freaky fast delivery policy. But what if I'm the freaky fast delivery? Like I, I got, I'm a little speedy, oh, Sorry. speedy guy. I'm turbo. I'm like that snail turbo. I'm like chugging on over there and I'm picking up my Italian nightclub with hot peppers. And I'm coming back. Mm, it's not, not a bad order. 
It's a, it's the perfect order. They sell a Cubano now too, and no one told me that, and I got really mad. Um, yeah, that would be number one on my list. Okay, we got to move on to the last topic here. Matt Damon's whole thing. Does the governor need to be called? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what's wrong with Matt Damon to you? Oh, that's hard to articulate, but it, it was such a gut feeling. Lucas, do you want to go first? I got to collect my thoughts. I, I actually like Matt Damon. It's oh, I love him too. Like, I think because I understand when you describe like Matt Damon's whole thing, I, like I I somehow understand what you mean, despite <laughs> not being able to put it into words myself. I'm actually, gonna not call the governor here. I'm gonna defend Matt Damon from <sighs> governor. And <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. He deserves to be ungoverned. He's just. I don't know. Maybe this is a me thing, but for some reason, I associate him with Mark Wahlberg too. I, yeah. Is that, oh, yeah, right. What? A little bit. Just like but, yeah, well, no, you don't like it. But no, no. But I, I find them both to be like versatile actors that are. <sighs> yeah, but from Mark Boston, like a massive asshole. And yeah, like, he like punched a Vietnamese guy in the eye, yeah, he, and he he, he blinded him. I thought he beat him with the two by four. It was like something. Yeah. Yeah. It was a full hate crime. Yeah, like a full-on hate crime. And he's just like an A-list actor. Yeah, and Matt Damon does not deserve to be sullied with the name of Mark Wahlberg. Matt Damon's just spent so many so many minutes on screen in the Bourne films that like, I don't know, I just kind of think of him as bland. But then he goes to The Martian. And what are some other Matt Damon films I'm struggling right now? Um, Interstellar, he's in... Um, oh, he's in... Oh, well, that, it's sort of a spoiler that he's in, in Interstellar. We're not going to edit that out. But he's really good in Interstellar. I, yeah. He's in Goodwill Hunting, which I obviously should have. That should have been the first one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's in The Departed too, right? He, he's, yeah, he's in yeah. so many funny, like smaller roles too. He has a really funny cameo in Thor Ragnarok. Like he's great. In, he's great in Thor Ragnarok. Like him, him and him. Like, Thor Ragnarok was so good. Drew, what's your thought? Yeah, I, I don't know. I like. I always associate him with Ben Affleck because they're best friends. Uh huh. And I just prefer Ben Affleck. Interesting. Wow, that's an interesting. I love Ben Affleck. I root for Ben Affleck as like a massive Duncan fan who was also born in Boston, but like sort of disavowed the city. And also as someone who loves Jennifer Lopez, Mm -hmm. as if she were my wife, I I really stand with him. And Matt Damon has nothing to offer on any of those fronts. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, I... Matt Damon's yeah he's indispensable but also he feels immediately replaceable I think I agree with you 100% on that front yeah I think you could do there's I could do Matt Damon better exactly there's nothing he does that I'm like wow it just had to be him like he's just a pretty good actor who's kind of beloved in a bunch of famous roles I will say my favorite Matt Damon movie and he is unbelievable and this is talented Mr. Ripley still not seen it Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And he's like incredible in it. And I don't think anyone else could do that. But like for the fans, y'all should follow Drew's letterbox. I don't know if he's willing to drop that handle, but oh yeah, I can definitely drop the handle. I don't remember what it actually I haven't been watching as many movies as I was last year. Um at Drew Hask95. Drew Hask. Yeah, I took a few wrecks from your your watched list, your review list. All right, listeners, flood his inbox. Flood my inbox. Um, you can do that during the break we're about to take. So be right back. What a transition. All right, and we are back. Let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. John, Lucas, what are y'all rushing to the ER today? I'm Pickle Rick. <laughs> we are here to discuss the cultural phenomenon that is Pickle Rick. Uh, and what a phenomenon it is i <laughs> drew when you asked me what we wanted to talk about and i was thinking of pickle rick or i, I was talking about lord of the rings and then i shit posted pickle rick as just like kind of a thought and you're like that's actually a great idea and i was like i was like okay and i i started to actually think about how it could be uh like delved into and it you know it's it's yeah i'm excited to talk about pickle rick yeah i pickle rick is one of those things that's just stuck around incredibly long like this this so I had not I watched that episode for the first time today I had only seen the first two seasons of Rick and Morty because I kind of I think I was abroad when 
number three dropped and you i just like broad. kind of fell off yeah i studied broad <laughs> we're not getting into that now i <laughs> like no one cares about that um but like i had not seen pickle rick i was so aware of the phenomenon like i feel like this was the second big rick and morty phenomenon after like szechuan sauce yeah but i can i conflate the two in my mind I yeah feel they're like definitely right around i don't know what year it was but like the beginning of season three there people kind of lost their minds and i think that like that's what pushed rick and morty from like very popular slightly underground cartoon show into multinational cringe phenomena yeah and it's fascinating that like as i i was almost pissed when i heard we'd be recording this episode about pickle rick i was like john like why would you say that so that's like but then, as, and then as i like actually sat down to watch it i was like you know this is a very good piece of television and it's going to be hard to not like unironically analyze it oh it's, it's, this whole thing wrong. has a context yeah. subcontext of irony but but drew i was right there with you like i had never i said pickle rick as a suggestion before i had seen pickle rick right uh, which is is just ridiculous because I mean it came up the, the funny thing about that is that this kind of like an episode of Rick and Morty like it was a dumb bit that the creators like wanted to like, it was like a dumb joke and then they decided to really unpack it and like weave in a whole like subplot and so this is basically Pickle Rick right now uh, yeah we are yeah. Pickle Rick right now but it's so nuts that like I, I knew like Rick Sanchez's voice in my brain saying Pickle Rick before I had seen the episode. And yeah. it's on every shirt, it's every meme, it was talked about. Ridiculous. I mean, it's crossing over even in the A-list. Like just earlier this year, Lady Gaga expressed her fondness for Pickle Rick by just she tweeting Pickle Rick, which is like, <sighs> wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. she's, she's far from where we started with her for sure and clarion call would her most ridiculous costume yet be a pickle rick with uh, a decapitated rat biotech suit oh don't don't it give could, her any ideas we could not possibly have topped bill billy eilish's pickle rick dress from the emmys though oh yeah no i it i mean like i guess she's also a big like rick and morty fan too they oh, like really? that being a rick and morty fan there's no way <laughs> Wait, how old is the Billie Eilish now? She's older than 18. She's like 19, I think, 20, oh, 19, 20. Yeah, Still she's right in prime Pickle age. Young and how could you resist? Because <laughs> we were we were late high school and college when like I guess it's still going. I think the new season is like about to drop, but like they're um I mean we were in pretty prime prime age for it to hit and it yeah. definitely did hit for a bit for me like I was a huge community fan like the show community yeah Dan Harmon does that one too right yeah and I love like Dan Harmon especially at that time for me was like so big um and I was really excited for Rick and Morty and then it was such a phenomenon among like our friend group that it just kind of like for like those two years it was like so fun to watch it yeah. wasn't just us. Like, it felt like you were truly missing out on something. At least, like, being on a college campus. Like, yeah. it truly felt like you were missing out if you, like, weren't tuning in for Rick and Morty. Or at least being in our terrible nerd group of friends. Yeah, right? <laughs> but, but wait, for, should we, should we, it's been, like, years since this has aired. Should we, like, we should probably start with some context of the episode. Like That's what, true. But really, Lucas, Drew, what, what happened in Pickle? I, I, I'm going to defer to Lucas on this one. You just okay. watched it. So, so disclaimer, you are going to have to have a really high IQ to understand what I'm going to say. Absolutely. But, um, assuming you do, um, Pickle Rick is this episode where Rick turns himself into a pickle to avoid going to family counseling. And the episode is famous because it is probably the dumbest and most juvenile joke to ever catch wind in like popular culture. And when I was watching it, I was really struck by how the show is a massive dichotomy between how actually serious it is. And it's like dealing with Family's like therapy session and like how they interpersonally relate to each other while also combined with just the absolute dumbest shit that the writers could possibly conceive of and they have like huge scenes of bloody violence interspersed with like some honestly profound like therapy session shots and I thought that was just a really interesting way to take on that whole episode and probably one of the best ones they ever made. It, it is great. And I mean, I, I just Googled the, the line here. Like it starts off with like more or less with Morty walking into, and I don't know, maybe I'm assuming you all have seen Rick and Morty, but Morty is 
Rick's like kind of idiot grandson and Rick is a super genius and mad scientist kind of yeah and he he just Morty walks into Rick's garage or the garage like of Morty's home where Rick does all of his super scientist stuff and (laughs) Rick is like saying Morty Morty and Morty doesn't know where it's coming from and he says to look on the table and Rick says I turned myself into a pickle Morty boom big reveal I'm a pickle what do you think about that I turned myself into a pickle I'm pickle Rick and (laughs) and that is like the whole basis of the episode and and then he's where they're trying to find basically uh you know Morty accuses him of doing what Lucas said which was does he you know he's trying to get out of family therapy because Rick has this whole uh, emotional avoidance type thing despite being like the most capable man in the universe. And the family is like traumatized and broken from like Rick's everything everything yeah <laughs> and there's this like vial of serum above the like that Rick's got basically taped to it in exactly 10 minutes which this vial is supposed to fall and it's like anti-pickle serum but he claims it's not and it's supposed to be in 10 minutes the family's leaving for this this family therapy session and so they take the serum with them and then Rick basically is forced to unpickle himself over the course of an episode without his de-pickling serum. So it's then that he finds himself in a pickle. Nah. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God. That should be illegal. I'm calling the cops. I, I, I'm ACAB, but like I'm calling the cops on that. I'm sorry. That's fucked up that you did that on my podcast. Um, There's a big lead in for just that pun. Yeah. That was an incredible summary, though. Like, ACAB, I, all cucumbers are brined. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Let's, let's off the cup. simmer I'll down look- there, fellas. <laughs> Drew, are you telling me you didn't come to this this podcast with a selection of hand-pickled pickle puns? I, can't, I unfortunately can't say that I did. Maybe I'll reach my hand into the barrel and pick <laughs> some out later. That was ridiculous. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not at my, it's like 11.15 here. Wait, the barrel was an intentional strong, right? The barrel was. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, I thought so. Not a great one, but. No, I thought that was you pretty know, good. I, you can't, that we can't win them. I'm not as funny as the show Rick and Morty, so. Um, <laughs> well, it takes a high IQ, that, like Lucas said, to understand Rick and Morty. So. I, I definitely, I will say, like, this episode is funny enough, honestly, that I will go back and probably finish the rest of what I haven't seen. Um, the only thing, two things I didn't like about it were the, like, happy tree friends level violence. Like, that was, like, a little... There was some pretty like graphic, gross things yeah, to me like, with like the, the rat army. <laughs> yeah, it was, was kind of like, shocking. <laughs> when I was reading about this episode, a lot of people were um, unsubstantiated, but they were calling it um, inspired by John Wick because that was just the only thing people could think of that was like that Senseless level action. of high production, yeah, ridiculous violence. Well, this episode won awards for its animation. For yeah, its, like, it did. Like, it, I mean, it is like, a well animated show. Like. I think there's so much um like we're in like a there are great animated shows on right now in terms of like content and humor and stuff like Big Mouth I'd put Rick and Morty up there like BoJack which just ended but BoJack was so good but like a lot of these shows have ugly animation like really ugly animation Bob's Burgers is my favorite animated show oh I love Bob's Burgers that was like a big like pandemic comfort watch for me um The only other thing I didn't like about this episode was I love Susan Sarandon and I think she was really good in this episode, but this episode was definitely made in like 2015, 2016, because you definitely these days could not cast Susan Sarandon as a character named Dr. Wong. Did you read about that? I was reading Uh, about this. And it was specifically a, it was like a thing. I miss Lucas. No, the the way it yeah, so this is, shows up on the Wikipedia page for the episode. They originally yeah. intended to cast an Asian person for that Asian role. Because this was and, a thing about race diversity. They were yes, like, wanted right. to bring that into the show. And so then at the very last moment, the like um, Susan Sarandon, I didn't remember her name, uh, became available at the last moment. And because she was already a side character on the show, they just like let her voice the part. And it was such a controversy that the writers went on to make a separate podcast about... Um, inspired by that incident of Dr. Wong being played by a light, white lady. And the podcast is called Whiting Wongs. 
which I think is very funny. Oh. Um, and it's like, and it's like a podcast just about like the whitewashing of Hollywood and like how it was inspired by this specific episode. Okay, and I think I, it's funny because they make a joke about how Dr. Wong is a racist name, which is funny. Just it's Yeah, just they do in the episode itself. Yeah Beth, yeah, Beth breaks the fourth wall there. If, yes, if you and know I didn't listening. realize that though. I had always thought it was just a funny thing to say. And then like, <laughs> I realized later on, like, no, like there's actually played by a white lady. Like, they okay. were being very literal. I, I think it's, that's a really, that's a really good idea for a podcast that like addresses discourse in a productive way, I'm sure. And like, I'm glad that they're aware of the problem. That is an outrageous name for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, that's where some of the irony of like this show, like Lucas was saying earlier, is like hard to, hard to discuss. Cause like I, you know, Lucas makes the joke, you have to have a high IQ to like under, and it's, I hate to say it, but sometimes it's a little true. Like this most recent season. Ooh, no, is... it's never true. No, it's a little Pickle true. Rick. Most... Well, no, this most recent season, <laughs> this most recent season that they've had, they've added like the, um, basically like a commentary, which is, you know, when somebody gets too big for their britches is like when they start putting commentary. At the yeah. End of the but like, there is more thought than you'd expect that like goes into this. Like it's it's obviously a lot of production pre-production value and there's a demand for it too i guess like there's certain i'm sure there's an audience for like the commentary and stuff and you know i think that's a good segue into how fucking annoying the rick and morty fandom has gotten over the past like five six years Yeah, yeah so i wanted to talk about that because i think that this episode is really what kicked off um like the worst era of like cringe Rick and Morty fandom. And I can't mm-hmm. tell from like an outside observer who kind of watched through season four and kind of tailed off after then. Uh, but recording this podcast makes me want to go back in time and like watch some of these episodes. But point being is I can't attribute, because I feel like Rick and Morty has lost popularity over the last two seasons. Like it's not nearly the peak cultural phenomenon it was. And yeah. I don't know if that's just an objective decline in quality of the episodes or if it was at all correlated to this like explosive and public expression of Rick and Morty fandom that was Pickle Rick. Also more <laughs> adult cartoons have come out since then that have yeah. kind of usurped it. And they do wait a long time to release these seasons. Like, I think it's been like two, two years since the last one, three years since the last one. And it was two years. They've done like two year gaps in between seasons before. Like, Mm -hmm. they just, you know, when you're not releasing content, like people just kind of stop talking about it because there's just so much other stuff to fill the void right now. Like, I also feel like Lucas is on to something with, like, I don't know, when it started, like, when you hit Pickle Rick and Szechuan Sauce, it started hitting, like, you know, like Lucas was saying originally, there were a lot of gatekeepers. Like, it was kind of a cult, not a cult classic, but you know what I mean? It was a cult yeah. following. And yeah, then once yeah. you start to break into the public and, you know, you have all that gatekeeper syndrome where it's like, oh, this is too mainstream. And they start, it, then the show starts deteriorating a little bit too. And I feel like it wasn't really enough to keep the people who were originally loving it around so i i think it could be you know all of the above i remember the szechuan sauce discourse and like just like that whole phenomenon being so incredibly annoying mcdonald's had it for god's mcdonald's sake. had it like so for people who like don't remember i think this was 20 i want to say this was 2015 2016 um later 17 or 18 was it that late because we were in college when the episode came out. And I th- yeah, I thought I was, I, I was definitely in college too, I think. Hold on, let yeah, me look this up. Joking. We're doing research on the pod right now. This came out in, when was this? Oh, this was 2017. Yeah. Wow, I was, I was out of college at that point. That's crazy. Okay, well, just so people are aware, they did an episode where Rick talks about Szechuan sauce, which was this limited edition dipping sauce for McNuggets and McDonald's from like the late 90s. It was designed to tie into the release of the movie Mulan. A lot of things going on there. So we'll just breeze on past that. But um, they brought back, the episode got so like memeified that they brought back Szechuan sauce and McDonald's for like a limited time. And people literally looted and rioted McDonald's for the sauce and we're like throwing things at cashiers and workers and stuff like 
because I think they the, the story was that they didn't anticipate the popularity. They sent like a couple, like a case of packets to each location and people showed up in droves to like demand 50 packs of the sauce and all the locations ran out in the first 20 minutes of the promotion. And it yeah. Did you guys have it? It like wasn't very good. I had it No, I, I definitely didn't have it. Oh, they I kept it on for a while, I think. Right? I, yeah. I, I tried to go to the on-campus mcdonald's and they didn't have it there and like i was really disappointed yeah they had pretty limited supplies of it from the article i just looked at so like people thought it was going to be this like global worldwide thing but it was really only like a few locations per state so like i really I mean, don't it just... think about that because at the same time we're sitting here judging them as if the people who were into this were just like app is our <laughs> cringe lords and here no, i but was it's not cringe it's not cringe lord to like want the sauce, I guess, but like to act like fucking animals about it is like. It's a little cringe lord to that, wait in line to want the sauce. Uh, it's a spectrum. I'm trying to think if I've ever done something like that. Um, Every new iPhone that comes out. I'm not. I'm. I can honestly say I'm not one of those people. I mean, I think like the closest to like waiting in line culture I ever got was like for the Harry Potter books and stuff. Mm. I did I did it for Aragon too. I think I met the author. Really? Because after, but that kid like barely had pubes. I know he was like he was like 23. Oh, you know who I met that you you would appreciate, John? Oh my god, there's dead silence. Wait, do you know who I met who you would appreciate, John? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Um, the author of Redwall. What's Redwall? Oh my God, no! Wait, no, 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 (laughs) delete this. I thought, who, am I thinking of someone else who really likes Redwall? It's those like fantasy books about like the mice and rats. Oh, Brian Hugh, or Brian, Brian Jakes, I think his name is. It's not Jakes, it's J-A-Q-U-E-S. Yeah, it's pronounced Jakes. It can't be, really? Yeah, there's, he's like Irish or Scottish. They're weird over there. but it's French. He's not French. His name's Brian. Oh, well, either way, I... Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that is... Yeah, no, I had friends who read all those. I actually never read those. I think yeah. I might be mixing you up with Andrew Katzo, which is... Probably. Yeah. Unfortunate for me. This is this Very is really not interesting for anyone who's listening to this. <laughs> yeah, but for every for the listeners, I'm going to go to Brian tonight. That's a tough comparison. Uh, <laughs> this is this is a tough day for this podcast. Um we're what were we talking about? Oh yeah, it was uh, the Szechuan sauce. But like that was I, that was the death knell for me cuz I guess that happened after Pickle Rick. Mm-hmm. And that and was it, like and the fact that the promotional happened, I'm now remembering that. I know too much about this episode. It was the corporate death of a, yes, of like a subculture. No, I'm now remembering that like the McDonald's decided to do it because the fans kept asking and didn't coordinate with the creators of Rick and Morty at all. And so like they just did it at a few locations and like Dan Harmon was like getting tweeted at being like, yo, dude, like, why don't they have more sauce? And he's like, I, I swear I to God, like, I did not put them up to this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ben, Dan Harmon just seems like, I mean, he's definitely had his problems in public. And I think he's just kind of like, wants to be left alone at this point. So I'm sure like the fandom being as crazy it is, as it is, is like not does not make it easier to make this show, I guess, but. Yeah, yeah it's interesting that like in my mind, I so closely correlate like the declining popularity of Rick and Morty with the Szechuan sauce pickle Rick, like. Yeah, be- because it, it became like a cool, like under the radar show to like something that it, I like, we've said cringe a lot this episode, but like what no, is the only cringe word. if not fucking pickle That's, Rick, you know? yeah. yeah. No, and the second they were like, yeah, the second they were like pickle Rick t-shirts hanging in Times Square, like something about the magic is Every gone. Yeah. They're yeah. still around. I I I uh, just moved to San Francisco and I went to Fisherman's Wharf for like the first time in like probably since I was 10 and still mm-hmm. fucking pickle Rick shirts uh, everywhere. I mean, it's, in uh, the year 2021, Gaga is tweeting about it. So like pickle Rick has not left us at all. Wow. And is that call to arms for God, what I, I know, right. I don't know what to think about it. Maybe my IQ isn't high enough. (laughs) No, I mean, I like, I think it just, I don't know. Cause Rick and Morty is like, what really struck me about this. I was expecting this to be this like meme kind of cringy, like 
episode that hasn't like aged that well since it aired i was so surprised how like like genuinely laugh out loud funny it was like it's so well written especially like the therapist office stuff at the very end and she drops some truth bombs and like yeah that's just the smartest man in the universe and actually all parallel universes has to like kind of sit there and be like fuck you you're right like but it's also like dark and fucked up too at the end (laughs) like There's not, I mean, it's it's a really dark show at not, the end of well, the day. Well, Dan Harmon puts a lot of his, like, that's what I've seen from, like, the season, most recent season commentaries. Like, Dan Harmon puts a lot of his life into, you know, it's, like, a lot of stuff with, he was going through a divorce in this recent season, and, like, that shows, and it's just, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, then one of, like, to seriously analyze Pickle Rick for half a second, um, <laughs> they... Dan Harmon said in an interview that if that episode were written in the first season, when he considered himself like less of a mature adult, he would have ended that scene with Pickle Rick getting the last laugh against Dr. Wong. And it was like a specific show of maturity that he actually sat there and listened to his therapist and didn't have a snarky comeback at the end of the exchange. He like actually listened to what she had to say. And that's like really against his whole persona for the whole show like rick always has to get the last laugh and i just thought that was interesting that like he really did have a personal growth episode and it is known as the dumbest shit to ever go on television (laughs) despite the fact (laughs) that it's honestly good yeah i wish people like remember the episode more for like that like the legitimate emotional intelligence behind it and like the actual well-written jokes beyond just like catchphrases it's i just guess all veiled under the fact that the, the therapist is a specific type of therapist for people who eat shit yeah like, <laughs> like it's yeah. you know there's so many just about eating a hot dog <laughs> it's it is well, there's so many it, layers to get to the day there are a lot of layers to the i mean just the show in general i'm definitely gonna like go back and just kind of like amble my way through it because i i this re- it did remind me like what I really liked about the show in the first place. Yep. And definitely. It's a huge mix of like emotionally intelligent and dark and yet incredibly irreverent. And like yeah. they're almost too good at getting like really stupid middle school level humor. Like pickle yeah. like, it just humor hit a chord has- with people, man. I don't know how to describe it. Like everybody just kind of thinks it's begrudgingly funny. But such a such a cornerstone and building block of humor will always be juxtaposition. And to like have Rick just belch and then say Morty as and like stupid shit like rub a dub dub as his catchphrase. And then like drop like a eight sentence monologue delivered very pithily and quickly. Like that's a big truth bomb is just, it, it is just kind of funny. I, <laughs> yeah. It is. And I hope you know maybe down the line we'll have some sort of like reassessment of this whole era because it just the discourse got too big for what is at the core like a very good complex show right yeah we're we're here we are shitting on it like season seven is going to sweep the emmys in 2025 <laughs> <laughs> sweet that fuck you the crown rick and morty is gonna <laughs> win yeah, this last season struggled though like a couple the last two episodes are pretty heavy and like they're good but like the last season had like four bad episodes in a row or like three where i just came away thinking like and i have just heard wow. nobody talking about it yeah like, even people i know who are big fans like yeah. have heard no mention i know and I, for like I hate using this this phrase, but like we're in an attention economy right now. So like when things aren't getting like talked about, like they kind of die out, which is I've actually never heard that phrase. Yeah, before. is that a big phrase? Is that is that gay Twitter? Okay, well, no, no it's not gay Twitter to say attention economy. <laughs> it's just like it's it, it's praxis. I don't know what to tell you. Also, I don't, don't know what praxis means. Okay, you know what? We gotta move on to our final segment. This is an, <laughs> I'm I'm at the end of my rope tonight (laughs) let's move on to our final segment tear the community apart which you guys have done repeatedly and incessantly tonight but i'm excited for for what's to come um the rules of this game are very very simple i have picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better okay okay it sounds easy. I hope I know any okay. of these songs. You will. Um, I've picked two 
You catered and a us. rare. I don't know why I picked these two. These are really not what um so type of song I usually pick for this <laughs> game. But I have picked two classics of '80s rock um, from New Jersey icons. Which song is better, "Born to Run" by Bruce Springsteen, or "Living on a Prayer" by Bon Jovi? Are we talking iconic or better? Like better? Right? I said better. I don't. Iconic is meaningless I, I i'm drinking a bottle of dasani right now that's iconic to me i'm like <laughs> I, i'm halfway there to my decision right now it's bon jovi um, the, the answer the really? answer is bon jovi yeah wow I, I stand bon jovi i i think it's born to run i mean it's the only song where bruce springsteen sings instead of talks so i mean a little bit of context <laughs> bold <is> statement <laughs> <laughs> but born to i don't know born to run is just such a feel-good song living on a prayer you can yeah, ah, I don't know because I think it wins in both categories. Like, not only is it just incredibly beloved Bon Jovi, but like living on a prayer, every single person knows the chorus to that song. You think that it's a titular line? You think that Bon Jovi's like second or maybe third best song is better than Bruce Springsteen's like most known best song? Oh, third best. What's John Bon Jovi's best oh. song? Uh, I mean, you can't. Oh, oh, I'm stupid. I was thinking don't stop believing for a second. That no, that's be- journey. Yeah, I know. It's, I'm, it's I'm, either I'm shot through the heart or um, dead or alive. Bad medicine. Dead or alive is Oh, dead or alive's good. I mean, Bad back medicine. from my deadliest catch days, dead or alive has a special place in my heart. But bon Jovi's just like, can you really go back and listen to Bon Jovi? Like Born to Run's a classic, and now Bon Jovi feels like a period piece. It feels dated. I don't know. I, I do it's- agree that there is a certain timelessness to Bruce Springsteen's music that like Bon Bon John Joe fuck John Bon Jovi. <laughs> I, I also need to interject that Lucas thinks the best song ever is "Come On Eileen." So it is. oh my god, really, I hate that song. Yeah, we can't really use Lucas's judgment here. Right? I think That's this is an out of person discussion, Drew. <laughs> okay, wait. I need. I need a. I need a. I need a backup here because I. Feel, I just had like a small stroke trying to say John Bon Jovi. Um. <laughs> And now I don't remember what I was going to say. I, John Bon Jovi is like cheesy 80s rock, but I do agree that I think Living on a Prayer is better than Born to Run. <laughs> I'm happy to die on the hill. No, you can die. I don't, my opinion doesn't matter in this game. Like ultimately, ultimately the, the history books, this will go down as a tie between you two. But like, I, I, I really am not like a huge Bruce head. And I feel like if I heard Born to Run like three more times, I think I would like it more but it's funny to hear you describe john bon jovi as cheesy because like i've never put that together in my mind but what? like his name is john bon jovi, bon jovi. like <laughs> yeah, snl yeah, literally has say, the bon john bovi or whatever cover band that comes <laughs> on and makes fun of him oh oh man his son is like a tiktok influencer his name is jake uh, bon jovi mm-hmm. but bon jovi is spelled the italian way b-o-n-g-i-o-v-i Oh, Bon Giovanni. <laughs> no, it's not. Bon Jovi is not short for Bon Giovanni. <laughs> it might be. Like, and John Bon Jovi's dad has his own line of pasta sauce. Really? Which I think is fun. Oh, man. Can I change my answer? <laughs> <laughs> do you want? Okay, we'll do it. I'm, you know what? Like, the rules of this game don't matter. I mean, yeah, I... Geez. Can I... Can I hear five embarrassing facts from Bruce Springsteen's life now? <laughs> I, I don't know. Mind. Well, we went to his... When I was a freshman, his daughter went to Duke, the equestrian, and she went to the Olympics this year, and I think she, she silver medaled. Oh. So that's fun. Okay, so we're actually hearing some pretty dope. Okay, well, he doesn't do embarrassing <laughs> shit like John Bon Jovi does because John Bon Jovi is like a cheese ball. He's like mozzarella. <laughs> do you think they played Board to Run during her equestrian event? Maybe oh, that was born, born to Trot. Born to Trot. Born, <laughs> born, to, born to Gallop. Born to I bet they played Living on a Prayer. <laughs> that would be so funny. <laughs> She's like, actually, my favorite New Jersey band is like the Gaslight Anthem or something. It's not even anything. But no, I don't know anything about Bruce Springsteen. I'm sorry. I'm like shockingly to people who listen to this. I'm a gay man. I don't know much about that. Unfortunately, John Bon Jovi is like gay adjacent in that he has that hair. So like, 
Well, there's an uh, there's an episode of Fresh Prince where Will I I remember this from growing up like Will Smith's because my mom loves Bon Jovi and he specifically said like something about it being for white people and it was just it was hilarious because I've always thought of it as like totally not for anybody else besides a very specific crowd. Yeah, it's definitely for like straight people from New Jersey, <laughs> <laughs> which that's my mother so. <laughs> <laughs> and well, she, at I, least she comes by it honestly but is your mom actually from new jersey john yeah new oh that's fucking yeah. hilarious yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think it's time to wrap up the episode fellas thank you so much for being here today this oh, was this i think the most outrageous episode of the podcast so yeah, far really like fun. i feel winded i'm winded this. i'm like, sweating i'm i'm, I'm so to... sweaty uh, been trying to think of a pickle pun to sign off for like 20 minutes and it won't you didn't even use now. your delve into it delve into it yeah we did delve into some delve. great topics Thank oh you. no yeah. god um if, if you guys want to be found where can people find you on social media oh god uh you don't have to be found either i'm giving you in, in, in or an hour on instagram from at j-o-h-n-s-i-t-t-u i will be shocked absolutely shocked I have like no social media. If I ever come on this podcast again, I'll have a Twitter handle to share. Okay, that's perfection. Instagram's too picture based for Lucas. More of a <laughs> you, Facebook podcast. You guys absolutely will be invited back. <laughs> Count on it. Count on the next step. You can find me on Instagram at Drew Haskins with two Z's. Um, on Twitter at FKA Pigs with the Z. Um, and subscribe to culturepig.substack.com for free weekly cultural musings delivered straight to your inbox and i think that's about it for me it has to be about it for me i'm i i'm done i'm seriously culture pig is also wonderful though like i don't i'm not like i said before i'm not relevant enough to like get most of what you're talking about but just beautifully written talented really i just yeah kind words from the bible emeritus um (laughs) this is this what what a joy i I, I hope people get as much out of this episode as we got out of it because I think this was like like three orbs of pure light all emerging into one cosmologically significant entity. Like an old beautiful. TV. Like Pickle Rick. Like Pickle Rick. Pickle. And on that note, bye everyone. I'm Pickle Rick. Bye everybody. Adios. Like what you just heard? Go to the show notes and whatever podcast app you're listening to this on and click the donation link.